Welcome to the All That Heals podcast. Here is where we'll share the healing stories of everyday raw and real people in hopes that they give you a little more courage to keep going and keep healing. I'm your host, Vanessa Faria. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the All That Heals podcast. I'm here today with a good friend of mine, Nina Taylor. It's been so long since we have connected and since we've seen each other, and we are going to dive in today all about astrology, and we're going to dive in about essential oils, two things that both of us really love. Nina is a pro at both of them. She has so much to share, so much wisdom behind her belt. She's one of the most amazing souls I've met, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. So thank you so much for being here. Mm, Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. (laughs) So tell everybody just a little bit about, you know, your own history and story and where you're at right now so that people just know a little bit about who you are. Oh, that's always such a hard question. I feel like I've packed in quite a few lives into my 48 years. So my journey, um, I guess it really started when I was 16 years old and I decided I wanted to become a vegetarian. And my mom said, if you're going to become a vegetarian, you need to read these books and plunked down a stack of books in front of me. And that's when I started studying nutrition really and started study. And the reason why I wanted to become a vegetarian was because I had such severe acne on my forehead that had kind of come out of nowhere. Hmm. And my chiropractor said, you should just go off dairy. And I went off dairy and six weeks later, my skin was clear. And it was this awakening for me that, Oh, food influences how we, how our body is going to respond. So I, that's that was the beginning of my deep dive, and then I had children really young, and I had been raised with natural medicine, and so with my children, I had to learn how to take care of them, all of their ailments and colds and coughs um, with medicine. And I was a total nomad. I was on the road all the time. I did a festival circuit in the summer, and then I went tropical in the winter. So I I really. Wait, um, with both of them? With one, with my first, they're seven years apart. So for the first five years of his life, and then I settled down with the second. <laughs> but because of that, I had to get really good at, at creating a natural medicine toolkit and having a, a really simplistic way of um, navigating anything that might come up. And I wish I had known about essential oils at that time, but I, I really don't think there were pure essential oils available then. So I wouldn't have been able to use them as medicine. So homeopathy was what I used then and Chinese medicine and nutrition. So food, food was medicine to me for, and still is medicine, but that was my, my intro to my healing journey. And then I just couldn't stop. So I studied, I went to school for nutrition. I went to school for, I mean, I took courses on herbology. Um, I studied with a shaman um, in Peru for quite a few years and learned about plant medicines that way. And yeah, I studied massage therapy 
got my Reiki master training and I've sort of dipped my toes into just about everything and astrology, which is my primary offering these days, um, along with essential oils was just part of my upbringing. So I grew up in a household where, um, divination tools were everywhere. My mom was a tarot reader and, if I ever had an issue when I was in elementary school, she would want to throw the I Ching. Um, <laughs> like, let's figure it out with, let's call on the unseen forces. Yeah. And so I knew all of the sun signs of my elementary school friends. And um, wow. Yeah, I still remember some of them. And so that just was an inherent language for me. Yeah. It wasn't until my one of my dearest friends sort of shoved me out of the nest of only sharing astrology with my inner circle, reading everyone I knew's charts, but never really thinking that it was a path hmm. that I could take in terms of supporting myself. Right. Um, and then my friend just booked a session for me with one of her friends and that was it. It just snowballed. <laughs> and that was only maybe five years ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then essential oils have been, uh, a five-year journey as well. Mm-hmm. I've obviously, I mean, I've always loved essential oils simply mm-hmm. because of, they're just, just so sensory delightful, you know, like they have such an immediate impact on the mind, body, spirit, just one inhalation and you can be completely transported. And I've always been drawn to being transported. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, let's take us, you know, outer space as much as we want. Yeah, take me places. Yeah. So it wasn't really until doTERRA came into my life and I realized that we could use, we could ingest essential oils, we could use essential oils as medicine, that I started to integrate them into my life in a much more um, intentional way mm-hmm. and started sharing them with other people and the and witnessing the incredible impact that they could have. Yeah. That's when, yeah, I really distilled my own, all of the modalities that I had explored, distilled them down to just these two primary things, astrology and essential oils. And what I love is how well they support each other. And that was a total surprise to me. But as an astrological intuitive, I feel the, the planetary energies in a sensory way. And same with the essential oils. And there are essential oils that line up in frequency with signs, with planetary energies. So that has been really exciting to explore. And that was my speaker that just turned off in the background, that digital sound. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. Um, Okay. So tell me a little bit about this. Tell me about what planetary energies you feel align with the essential oils. I'm super curious about that. Yeah. So with each sign, there's the exalted expression of the sign. So the the evolved expression, and then there's the shadow expression. And whenever we're being an expression of the shadow of that sign, it's an indication that we're wounded in that particular area. Mm. And because the distinction of the shadow expression is so clear for each sign, it's really easy to recognize what oil is going to work to help transform or heal that particular shadow. So working just with your sun sign, even. So you're a Taurus, correct? Correct. You're you're a cusper, Taurus, Aries, but you're Taurus. Yep. So the two oils, the, the oil that 
is the exalted expression of Taurus would be vetiver. Oh, okay. That's interesting. That's one I kind of resist and don't have in my, <laughs> in my, in in your my, box? my apothecary uh-huh. at the moment. I'm definitely, I ran out and never bought it again. I think I bought it once, <laughs> but I like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I do like it. Because Taurus is the most sensual sign of the Zodiac. It's very much about being in the senses, in the body, enjoying food, music, dance, smells, all the things, luxuriating in the experience of having a body. And vetiver is the oil of centering and descent. It brings us into our body and facilitates the integration of our external experience. But if Tauruses spend too much time luxuriating, then the energy can get really stagnant. So a a shadow expression of Taurus would be just staying in comfort all the time and not really taking risks, not really embracing change, you know, and you can't avoid change. So that can create a lot of discomfort. So the oil for that would be Cypress because Cypress is the oil of motion and flow. So it just keeps, it gets, or you could use peppermint. Peppermint gets the blood flowing. It moves blood, moves chi. But I like Cypress because it's a tree. So it's it's more rooted while that energy is moving. Yeah. That just blew my mind. <laughs> I know a lot about essential oils and I don't know a lot about astrology, but I would never even think to put those two things together. Yeah, it was such um, such a synchronistic merging for me because they're two of my favorite things. And to be able to, I mean, they just um, communicate. It wasn't even a, anything I ever thought about. It just, I'd be reading people's charts right. and oils would be popping up in my mind. Oh, you need this oil and you need this oil and this could really help you. And um, and then I started to see the, the consistent pattern between which oils were being presented depending on what I was, you know, what was in the chart. Fascinating. <laughs> and so cool. Cause it's so easy. It's so you easy. have this, you have this beautiful tool that you can use to take these celestial energies that you have, that you're being influenced by that you're carrying in your body. And you're taking this plant medicine this earth medicine to help clear and ground and integrate the teachings of, of the cosmos. It's, a, it's like the bringing you, because a lot of times the wound is because of a, a schism, a separation between either head and heart or, you know, you not being able to allow the entire, the wholeness of your being to, or not, it's not even not allowing, it's not accepting the wholeness of your being, wanting to segregate, you know, this part of myself is okay. This part of myself is not, I don't, want to acknowledge this part of myself and what the oils do because their primary influence in our body from a physiological perspective is homeostasis. So bringing the body back into balance, they just naturally bring those, those separated parts of self back into union. Man, I hope everybody's taking notes about this because this <laughs> It is so accurate. It's so true. You know, the celestial bodies, the planetary energies, all that, and then balancing it with the earthly plant medicines. It's like a match made in heaven. It really is. It really is. Wow. I'm curious. Can you just call out some of the zodiacs and the matching? Yeah. We don't have to go into 
full on details for all of them, but just what the exalted oils are. So people know, cause I'm sure they're curious. <laughs> yes. So we'll start at the beginning at, with Aries. Yeah. So Aries really in its exalted state, it's either Cyprus. Cyprus is really Mars. It's Mars energy, that motion and flow, but it's the, the ability to just take action without hesitation. That's very Cyprus. But the courage piece, it could also, wild orange can be really supportive. And then the shadow expression of Aries, there's, you know, that impulsivity that can be destructive. Um, reckless. Reckless. And also an inability to recognize that someone else might have another way of thinking and being and that that's valid and okay. And so for that, that's neroli. Neroli is the oil of sacred partnership. So it reminds Aries when Aries is so on its own path that it's not being considerate of others. Yeah, really help ground that. I have Mercury in Aries and my Venus is in Aries. So are they conjunct? Are they together? I don't know. I haven't actually looked at that part. You'll have to we'll hang me. on one second. Let yeah. me just have a little gander at your <laughs> <laughs> Yes, they're they're conjunct, Mercury and Venus. So that's you know an indication that it wouldn't be wise for you to be in a relationship where there isn't some communication going on. Right. Yeah, for sure. There has to be. I am all about communication. Yeah. In relationship, in everything, it has to be straightforward, to the point. Let's talk it out. Let's get it all on the table. And what's cool about that placement is that that your your thinking, so the operating system, your mind, um, is aligned with your values. They're one and the same. And that's not always the case, you know, so that that creates greater ease and flow to have your thinking aligned with your values. But the shadow expression of that would be that it would be hard to understand that people could have different values, especially being a Taurus. Taurus is all about values being ruled by Venus so that people could value different things. So, of course, it'd be really important for you to be in a relationship with somebody who shares your values. Mm, yes. Very <laughs> true. All Otherwise you'd be butting heads all the time. Yep. It's true. Mm-hmm. If, if, yeah, I've noticed if you don't value the same things as me, it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. So next is Taurus, which we did. And then Gemini. So for Gemini, Geminis are, they have the insatiable curiosity. They're always wanting to gather more information. They're the most flirtatious and sort of uh, playful in their experience. Not playful, but youthful in their experience of life. So the, the an exalted expression of that would be, or oil for that would be rosemary. Because rosemary opens the doors of the mind. Mm. It allows new information to come in. I get that. I feel that. But... Gemini, a shadow expression of Gemini is they have a really hard time integrating their environment. And by integrating, I mean embodying what they're experiencing. So it's just like it passed, just like the wind, you know, comes in and moves through. So nothing lands in the, not nothing, but um, there is the propensity to move on to the next thing before really integrating the experience. And, yeah. and the value of integrating our experiences is we become way more potent. We become more um, rooted 
not only in our body, but on earth with our lived experience, our experiential wisdom, Very true. right? And if it's just passing through, passing through, passing through, and you're not allowing it to be embodied, then you're, it makes it harder to have a deep, meaningful connection and impact in your, in your relationships. So for that, for the integration piece, any of the seed oils, that's what all the seed oils do. Wow. Um, but specifically, I would say coriander. Mm, coriander. you into your integrity, right? So it aligns you with the essence of who you are. But also another shadow expression can be scattered, like just yeah. totally, you know, in all things at all times. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that I case, have, yeah. You have that? I have my south node is in Gemini. Oh, me too. So we both have North Node Sag. Yeah, North Node Sag, South Node Gemini, and I can feel it strong, I feel. Like it does kind of come up. Wasn't this South Node, because the South Node, or the North Node was just in Gemini. It's just moved into Taurus yes. for the 18 months. Yes. That was not one of my favorite experiences. <laughs> it, was, it was not easy. I would say I was very aware. I was like, okay, I have a feeling this is going to be intense because it is on the nodal axis of my North and South node. And I was like, okay, here we go. Let's see. Yeah. So activating all of your subconscious stuff. So it's, you know, good medicine, but it made me feel like I was in a fog for, a, because I mean, that's what your subconscious is, right? You can't see. And so to have the North node energy, the transiting North node and Gemini, with our South nodes and Gemini felt um, like I was kind of chomping at the bit for it to move into Taurus so that I could rise to the surface of my awareness. <laughs> I, I felt the same. I felt the same yeah. for the last year. I was like, oh, okay, there's so much just coming up. And now with the shift into Taurus, I have my North node in the second house of Taurus. Okay. Yeah. So sad. North node in Sag in the second house. Exactly. So it's still on my, it's still yeah. kind of tugging at my axis. And I have, yeah. And I have my rising sign is Scorpio. So I'm a oh, Taurus. Yes. We have some compatibilities here. My moon's in Scorpio. So Ooh. since I have your chart here, I'm actually going to see what degree your rising sign is. Oh, three degrees. Okay. So we're not, we're not conjunct. Hmm. Rising, but, um, yeah. So then your rising sign is in opposition to this, to the North node right now. So your identity, the way the world perceives you is being rebooted, recalibrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel that this, you know, this next year, this is also intense for me. I feel like there's going to be, I feel like it's going to be really good for you. I think it's going to yeah. be really nourishing. I think so too. I think it's going to be better than last year, but still kind yeah. of activating and triggering because Scorpio is very also shadowy sometimes too. For me. Cyprus. Just become really good friends with Cyprus. Okay. I will. <laughs> I absolutely will. Amazing. Okay. Let's continue. We're going to get. Yeah, so I was just going to say lemon for that, for the scattered mm -hmm. all over the place energy of Gemini, when it's in the shadow of not being able to focus, then lemon essential okay. oil. Um, and then what do we have? Gemini cancer. Cancer. Oh, cancer. Ooh, cancer. Cancer. So the exalted expression of cancer is the great mother, the nurturer, mm -hmm. nourisher. And the oil for that is myrrh. Myrrh is the oil mm -hmm. of Mother Earth. 
So if you have any wounds with the mother, your mother, you being a mother, not being able to be a mother when you want to be a mother, like any, any wound, any ache in the realm or the archetype of mother, myrrh is your oil. And um, for cancer, certainly it is the oil. And then the shadow expression of cancer is they have a really hard time letting go really hard, like holding on for dear life to past wounds, to relationships that maybe don't serve them anymore, to objects that they don't need. And all of that just creates, again, stagnancy. So tea tree, tea tree, tea tree, tea tree for letting go. Letting go. Also, because of that, another shadow expression of cancer can be um, hiding you know, like in the shell, like the crab, um, really being too protective of your feelings or guarded of your feelings. So any of the heart oils like geranium, marjoram, rose, those all help soften the heart and bring you, bring you into your love expression. Lemongrass coming into my mind. What's coming into your mind? Lemongrass. I feel like lemongrass could be also. Oh, for clearing? Totally. You know? Yeah. I find lemongrass really aggressive. Mm. It's a very strong oil and cancers are so sensitive. The first water sign. So raw that for Taurus, lemongrass would be fantastic because you need that push. You need (laughs) that aggression. Fair. That like, yeah, to be heavy handed. But with cancer, I think they need a little bit more gentle, a gentle touch. And tea tree is grounded at the same time. So it's clearing. Tea tree cuts cords. Yes. And attachments. Um, So if you're, you know, hypersensitive or energetically sensitive, tea tree, you can use preventatively by, um, or, you know, at the end of the day, just putting a little bit on your inner wrists to clear anything that you may have accumulated that you don't want. Mm, amazing. Okay. And then Leo. Leo. Leo and its exalted expression is, you know, just like the sun radiating warmth. And if you think about the sun, it's most philanthropic of all the celestial bodies just gives and gives and gives of itself. It's light, it's warmth and a Leo that is healthy, that is evolved and living in its authenticity is like that. They're just warm and playful and theatrical and bright and radiant. And so the oil for that would be Melissa, the oil of light, or really any of the citruses, because all of the citruses have, they have this solar force energy in them. Yeah. So like wild orange or tangerine is the oil that I usually recommend for, for Leo because it's the oil of creativity and it helps release the inner child. And then a a shadow expression of Leo would be, um, the melodrama drama, but also, um, just not feeling like anyone adores you enough you know, like you're not, but it's, but that comes from not having fallen in love with yourself yet. Right. So you're looking for that love outside of yourself. Um, and also pride being so prideful that you're, you sever ties with people or break bonds just for the sake of your pride, not rather than working through what might have been activated. Um, So again, that would be heart oils. I would recommend geranium, 
marjoram um, to work through that. Can you hear my puppy in the background? No. <laughs> She's <just> whimpering. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you can't hear. That's okay. Um, the next one, Virgo. Okay. Virgos are here to teach us what it is to be whole, what it is to um, experience the sacred in every single act. So to recognize that doing the dishes is a, you know, a sacred experience, <laughs> folding laundry, to be embodied in the day-to-day practices or routines of life. And when a Virgo is in its exalted expression, it's really sacred service. Like it's just, it's so whole and it's so full in its own being that it's able to give without it being depleting. And there are a few oils for that, but I really, for both exalted and the shadow expression of Virgo, I really love fennel. Ooh, fennel, yum. Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the shadow expression of Virgo is giving to the point of depletion. Right. So, and, and equating your value with how much you can give or serve others and not feeling like you're, you're worthy of taking care of, you know, like it's, you don't make time for your own self-care practices. That would be a shadow expression of Virgo. We're just feeling totally overwhelmed by the lists, all the lists. There's too many things to do. <laughs> <laughs> never going to get it all done. And um, in that case, I would recommend a tree oil, any of the tree oils, just to center you. Great. There's a trust piece there too. So that would be arborvitae, would be the tree oil that I would recommend to be more specific. But yeah, fennel, both ways, exalted and shadow expression. And then we have Libra. Yes, Libra. Yeah. So Libra's exalted expression is divine partnership, divine union, right? Being able to un- to truly understand what it means to be in cooperation, to be doing things in a shared way. And the oil for that is neroli. And this is where now we've just clicked into the opposites, right? We've done the first six and uh, signs. Yeah. And then Libra is the seventh sign, the opposite of Aries. So the exalted expression for Libra the oil for that would be neroli, which is Aries's shadow oil. Yeah. And then the um, shadow expression of Libra is that they can be overly comparative and that can create a lot of suffering, right? If you're always gauging your value, your sense of self-worth based on you compare to what, whomever, you know, like where yeah. somebody else is at. Oh, well, they're doing way better than me, so I suck. You know, like that's, that's the potential or feeling depleted in, yeah, through the realm of, of comparing. And that's pink pepper, pink pepper, the oil of intrinsic equality. Ooh, intrinsic equality. I haven't had that one yet. I haven't tried that Mm. one. Yeah. That one's really good. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, Scorpio. Yes. So Scorpio in its exalted expression is really here to be an expression of truth, like the the ultimate truth, you know, truth of Scorpio is kind of like essential oils. Like it wants Mm -hmm. to distill things down to the essence. 
and it's willing to be investigative and figure out, like go all the way deep down into whatever that is. And that's really where our power resides is when we, when we access that deep truth, that internal truth. And so Scorpio is one of the most power, has the potential to be one of the most powerful signs of the Zodiac because it can embody that truth. <laughs> The oil for that is ayahuasca. <laughs> Just joking. Ah, <laughs> it's not an oil, but the the oil for for accessing your truth um, in this particular case, I mean, frankincense is the oil of truth, but there needs to be a shadow. Frankincense doesn't really go into the realm of shadow. It expands us into higher consciousness truths, and Scorpio wants us to go deep down into the core truth, and that's Copaiba. That's what Copaiba does for us. And then the, so I think of Copaiba as being the exalted oil, but you can also use it to work through the shadow. The shadow expression of Scorpio would be to be stuck in the um, first stage of Scorpio, which is, you know, expressed by the scorpion that hides in dark corners and attacks when it's frightened. And then really Scorpio is here for transformation. So that scorpion can transform into the eagle and then see the bigger picture, the broader view. And then through more healing, more shadow work can transform into the phoenix where they become masterful in the death experience. So allowing parts of themselves to die, Hmm. um, egoic parts of themselves to die. So the shadow expression is really would be, be uh, an, a resistance to transformation, an inability to transform. Yeah, and there are a few oils for that. I like the aggressive, like lemongrass, like you said, would be really good just to help clear and it's aggressive because Scorpio being the opposite of Taurus <laughs> right. needs that extra, like both stubborn, both oh so stubborn. So oh. they need, that's why I said ayahuasca, like really yeah. Scorpios can get locked in to uh, a way of thinking that's and it. being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so lemongrass for that, um, for transformation specifically, I would say anything that moves chi. So cypress, peppermint, but there's an, there's another oil that I'm not able to grab hold of right now. That's what I normally recommend. And I'm, my brain's not giving me access to it. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. It happens sometimes. It might come back. It might come back. So Sagittarius. Yeah. The Sagittarius. Sagittarius and its exalted expression is here for expansion. Mm-hmm. And through their own adventurous way of engaging with life, they want to expand. They inherently will cause others to expand. And Sagittarius are also looking for truth, but it's that other truth, that higher consciousness truth. So I, I always resonate with frankincense as being the exalted oil for Sagittarius. Yeah. The oil, because there's an authority or a sages are also teachers in a lot of inst- in a lot of cases they have a uh, they can be in a shadow expression they can be judgmental really judgmental okay. so exalted oil frankincense shadow oil for sag really for me it's either spearmint or lavender hmm. spearmint because sag rules the the throat chakra and spearmint is the oil of confident speech, but it's also a decongestant. So it helps to clear anything that's in like, whether that's physical, like mucus or energetic, that's in the way of you speaking your truth or being an expression of your truth. 
So spearmint and then um, what was the other oil that I said? Lavender. Lavender, because it's the oil of communication, but also it just brings you back into your heart. Oh, coriander. Coriander. Yeah, for, um, no, for Sagittarius. Oh, for Sagittarius. Integrity. Because I find Sagittarius is, when they're in their shadow expression, they can be incredibly arrogant. They can be, um, you know, uh, a little bit preachy or dogmatic. And coriander also, like I said before, it's the oil of integrity. So it helps to bring you back into awareness of your essential truth, your personal essential truth. All right, Capricorn. Capricorn. We're really going through all of them. (laughs) I know. Good. I think it's important. I think this will be really helpful for people. I know they're going to love it. They're going to go home and then buy all these essential oils and then have them in their little Zodiac apocalypse. It's going to be great. Um, So Capricorn. Capricorns are here for excellence. Mm -hmm. They are um, not afraid of work. They're willing to do the work to achieve the goals that they have. Um, Capricorns really help hold the container for our experience of life, the constructs that we live within. So one of the one of the mature tree oils, whether that's Siberian fir or Douglas fir or black spruce. Those are the oils that I recommend for the exalted expression of Capricorn to help move you in, in the direction of excellence from, from a mature or healthy place. And then the shadow expression of Capricorn is that they can be, they can really struggle with feeling like they're not getting to where they want to go fast enough. Like they're not, um, right. They might not be accomplishing enough not accomplishing enough. Yeah. Just self-depreciating, not taking the time to recognize what they have achieved and not, and not recognizing the value of being steady and, and building your life one step at a time. Sagittarius wants to jump, skip all the steps, like give Sag all the shortcuts. Same with Aries, but Capricorn is not here for taking shortcuts because they are going to build the most solid foundation. So they need to take every single step to get to where they're going. So if you're experiencing the frustration of not getting to where you're going fast enough, then you want to uh, lean into trust a little bit more, in which case that's Arbor Vitae, you know, divine timing, trust that everything is going exactly to plan. Agravite really helps with that, but also fennel again, fennel is the oil of responsibility. So it reminds you that you are capable of doing what you need to do only when you take care of yourself first, only when you are, uh, and cause that's really one of the te- primary teachings, Capricorn and cancer, both they're opposites and they're, you know, they really have to learn how to put themselves first and take care of the, their physical form first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so cancer would want, would abandon their taking care of themselves to take care of everybody else in their circle, their yeah. family, whereas Capricorn will abandon taking care of themselves because they feel this duty, this responsibility to make money and, and make sure that they're safe and secure in the world based on their achievements. Yeah. So fennel for both of those. Um, Aquarius. Aquarius. Two more to go. <laughs> 
Aquarius in its exalted expression is here to contribute to the evolution of humanity. Right. Just, to help everybody uplift. Yeah. And they're willing to be the odd one out. They're willing to, to live on the fringe or, and not, it's not even a willingness. It's like, they're just born that way. So they mm-hmm. don't, you know, it's not a choice. It's, they just feel that way that they're, because they're, they're here to bring new in, innovations yeah. forward. Um, whether that's a way of thinking or a way of living and being or an actual physical thing, like inventing something, but they're here to, to expand or contribute to our evolution. And so the oil for that is from my perspective, Roman chamomile. Roman chamomile is the oil of divine purpose. And it can be, it can feel really lonely when you're on the fringe, when you don't, when you feel like you just don't fit into the the construct that we live within. And so Aquarians can really feel that way. And Roman chamomile is such a gentle, beautiful reminder of our own uniqueness, our own unique purpose and what we're, you know, what we're here to do and the value of what it, whatever that is, our contribution is necessary. So Roman, and it's because it's a flower, it has an elevating, it's a, all of the flowers raise, you know, raise vibration. Yeah. They're a higher frequency. Totally. So, and then the shadow oil would be cedarwood. Cedarwood is the oil of community. So when you really, for this is for anyone, if you feel like you don't belong, then cedarwood is the oil that, that reminds you of your intrinsic value within the tapestry of humanity. You know, we all belong. Otherwise we wouldn't be here. (laughs) And that's what cedarwood, it's very grounding. So Aquarians, because it's an air sign, they can be really heady and cedarwood just helps to bring the energy back down into the body, into the earth. Okay. Last one. Pisces. Pisces. Here we go. Pisces. So the exalted expression of Pisces is unconditional love and compassion because Pisces is the last sign of the Zodiac. It really can hold space for all the other ways of living and being for all the signs. And so a healthy Pisces is, you know, has that very grandmotherly energy as an archetype, just um, unconditional loving. And the oil for that is magnolia. Again, one of the flowers, one of the higher vibration oils, magnolia is the oil of compassion. Beautiful. And then Pisces can get so overwhelmed by their sensitivity or receptivity mm-hmm. and have a similar feeling to that Aquarius feeling that I was talking about where they just are like, I don't know how every, it's a little bit different. It's more like, I don't know how everyone is doing this life thing. Like, I don't understand how to do this life thing. Cause they're, it's almost like they're not of the earth and Aquarians are kind of like that too. Cause both those signs are really bringing in higher consciousness energy And so for Pisces, when they're in uh, a feeling overwhelmed or overburdened by life, there are two oils, Arbor Vitae, which is the oil of divine trust. So it just reminds you that you're okay, but it's also super grounding. So I like that one because it brings Pisces back here into their body, onto earth. And then the other one that I would recommend, I've recommended a few times, and there are so many oils. Like these are just, you know, 
this is a very generalized um, way of navigating this because you want to look at your entire chart to determine what the core issue is and what you want to be supporting yourself with. It may not have anything to do with your sun sign, you know, like you're most likely it's all about your Chiron placement <laughs> yeah, probably, <laughs> or your moon placement. That's what you would need the most support with. But so, um, fennel is the oil that I would recommend again, just because it, or it, the seed oils are so good at bringing us into a centered awareness of, of what we're experiencing and giving us the capacity to integrate, like I was talking about before. So, and there's another oil. Rose would be pretty powerful too for, for Pisces to bring you right back into your heart. Rose, the oil of divine love. Rose so that so you remember, powerful. so powerful. Yeah. And I'm just rolling it on my lips. <laughs> mm, that's nice. I mm. like that. Beautiful. Well, thank you for going through all of that. That is amazing. I'm sure people are going to love that. All right. So now that you have shared all of that, please share with everybody listening how they can work with you and connect with you, because I'm sure after listening to that, they would love their own bespoke essential oil protocol (laughs) or yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do is so I, offer cosmic readings. It's an hour long session where I dive into the essence of whomever I'm giving the reading to via their natal chart. And then I also offer a cosmic reading with a bespoke essential oil blend protocol or not blend, but a protocol. And so we'll spend an hour doing the reading and then 30 minutes going through the oils that could really help support really the full potential or the full expression of the essence of that person. Um, and so for your listeners, I would love to offer a special discount awesome. for that particular reading. So I'm going to give you a coupon code that you can use and everyone, anyone that's interested in getting that reading, they can book with me and they'll get a 30% discount. Amazing. And I think the code you said is cosmic 30. Is that right? Yes. Perfect. Awesome. Great. And so tell everybody, because I'm sure now they're curious, what's your sun and your moon and your rising? Sun sign Sagittarius, moon in Scorpio and cancer rising. Oh, okay. Cancer rising. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which really I'm a quadruple Sagittarius. So this, my cancer rising has been of great service to me allowing me to be more considerate of other people's feelings because Sagittarians are not the most um, sensitive in that regard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it has also caused me to be incredibly uh, sensitive in my own ways and to have to work through my own. Cancers often have to work through body stuff. So, you know, I, major body dysmorphia when I was an adolescent. And I think really deciding to become a vegetarian when I was 16 years old and then a vegan and being so almost militant with my, my diet, my food that I really was a form of, I mean, it was an eating disorder, (laughs) right. Trying to control my, um, my food rather than being in a, a loving relationship with 
you know, listening to my body and just allowing it to eat whatever it needed in any given moment, creating, but that was all part of the journey. Like, you know, um, I learned so much through being really, really strict and having worked with the shaman that I mentioned in Peru. And so that came with being on really strict diets for periods of time too. And there's a certain developmental growth that comes from really recognizing that you can control what you're eating. There's something that happens there. It's almost like a rite of passage. Yeah. But anyway, that was definitely, I think my cancer rising definitely contributed to that. Right. And my relationship with my body. Mm. And, you know, finding home and stuff too. I feel like you're such a great homesteader and like maker and it's been a while. And I know you yeah. were building a house. Is that right? Built a house. Yes. You built it. So are you, I, I mean, I did not build it, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I hired builders who built a house. And this house is actually one of my most extraordinary stories because I, I mean, as I mentioned, I was nomadic for at least the 10 years of my life, really just not living anywhere for more than three to six months and very contentedly on the move all the time. And I lived out of my vehicles and just was traveling endlessly. And because of that, I never, I didn't buy a house for many years and craved, like deeply longed for my own home but opted to buy plane tickets <laughs> or, <laughs> That's the or go to school or <laughs> all the other things that I, you know, could spend my money on rather than saving up to buy a house. Right. But, um, it was always a fantasy of mine. And so I was doing a Vipassana retreat, a silent meditation retreat, and you meditate for 10 hours a day. And yeah. I'm like, I will get Board. I've done one. I know yeah. I've done it too. And I was like, why did I do this? What am I doing? But it was the best thing I ever did. It was what, it was such an experience. Yeah. But yeah. I loved the experience of it. I loved the spaciousness that it allowed for to not make eye contact or communicate with anyone for 10 days, to not be able to write down anything in a journal, to not be able to listen to music. Like that was huge for me. But by like day four, I, you know, I wanted to do some other things with my mind. So I started building a house. I was an interior designer at the time and um, I had my own business and I started just for fun building a house in my mind. And I built two houses while I was on that retreat. Your mind, you built two different houses in your mind? In my mind. Yeah. And like all the details, you know, the hardware, every single detail considered the house built top to bottom. Um, wow. Bottom to top. And then, you know, four years later, um, I bought this piece of land and I, I really just bought it to flip the house that was here. I was not planning on building a house, but the house that was on this piece of land, it's a big 90 acre property and there was an old dilapidated and house. Where, where are you? Where are you? South of Ottawa. So a Southern Ontario on the Eastern border. Okay. Wow. Back. And it turned out that that house was not worthy of renovating. It had black mold. It didn't have a proper foundation. So we tore it down and I had to build a house. (laughs) (laughs) So I met with an architect and she, the way she works, she gives you some, you know, here are three drawings, let me know which ones resonate and we'll go from there and we'll create your house. And one of the drawings that she gave me was the house I built in my head at my Vipassana retreat. 
Whoa. And I was like, oh my God, this is my house. Like I, I already built this house in my mind. So this is like a testament to, to the value of visioning yeah. <laughs> this house. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really my dream home. It's a, it's a little um, passive solar home. I don't know if you know what slab on grade is, but it just, there's no basement. It's just a cement floor on the main floor so that the sun, I have a wall of windows and the sun comes in and heats up the cement floor. So like right now, if I go downstairs, my main floor is so hot (laughs) and it's like minus 20 degrees out right now. It's the middle of winter, super cold, but I don't have to use any heat source in the afternoon in my house because the sun just does it all for me. So that's pretty fabulous. And it's the room I'm in right now. I have like 20 foot ceilings in my office and that also feels pretty, pretty fab. Like I need more room for my head. <laughs> so the whole second floor is all all vaulted um, ceilings, but it's little. It's a tiny little. It's only a seven hundred square foot um, footprint. Wow! Times two because there's two stories. Yeah. So I'm here, just me and and my puppy, my new dog. Faster. The boys are all grown up. They both still live in Toronto. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fascinating. More on this house. How long ago was this vision? This first vision where you, your Vipassana retreat? Oh, I think actually it was more than four years because that would have been 2014 or 15. Mm -hmm. I did that. So more like six to eight years, but I bought the land two years ago. I bought the land on my birthday, 2019. And then they started building the house it only took four months to build the house. They started That's building a house in January, 2020. And it was, sorry, January, 2021. And it was done by the end of June. Yeah, crazy. But we were in permit land for a year. Right. Yeah. Cause everything is so backed up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's amazing. And just really inspiring because I think it really shares with people, you know, yeah, exactly that, the power of visioning and really creating the world that you want for yourself, your dream in your mind, and then committing to it and then trusting that it will unfold in the right timing too, you know? Well, and I don't know if this is true for everyone, but it has certainly been my experience throughout my life. I was not holding on to the vision of this house. I, I architected it. (laughs) I built it in my mind and, um, certainly images of this house were on my vision boards for a few years, but it came as a surprise. And I really think that so often we expect there to be this straight line from, you know, when we desire something to the acquisition of whatever that thing is, we, or we think that we know what the steps are. And maybe that's true for some people. I think not to turn this into a gender thing, but I think for men, that is a little bit more true. I think that there is, uh, or let's say logical thinking, not men, let's take gender out of the equation. So if you're more of a logical thinker, then you probably do create your life that way, where you have a goal and you take the necessary steps to achieve that goal. That has not been my experience. So this is for anyone else who feels 
I spent many years feeling super defeated for not being able to achieve my goals, you know, like really striving for things and not being able to get there. Yeah. And this house taught me that that's because that's not how I create. That's not how I manifest. It will come to me if I just am, you know, living my life the best I can in my joy, staying engaged with the things that light me up and all of the things that are meant to be will come. And that was, that's another was another huge teaching for me that uh, maybe that's another podcast. Right. It's a big story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I can actually, I can really relate because I find the same thing happens. I find when it comes to manifesting or visioning certain things, there's something that happens for me, my process of almost obsessing or acquiring this aesthetic, even if it's not necessarily an aesthetic. Like right now it's horses and farming and all this kind of homesteading and all this, but it's like, I become obsessed with something for a little while and I try to infuse it into my being. It's Mm -hmm. like this process of how do I become this vision of what I want? How do I become it now? What I want in the future? Yeah. Even if it's, you know, putting artwork up or clothes, dressing in the style of clothing or colors or whatever it is, like little minute, small steps of it. But I just infuse my life with this energy. And then sort of like you, I kind of eventually it fades or it goes into another, (laughs) another spiral vision of something else. But eventually what I find is that the bigger manifestation of that thing, whether it's like moving into a new house or a new location, or finally achieving that goal that I, you know, that big vision goal, but eventually it just kind of happens. The prelim work is very, for me anyway, it's like very physical and sensual and sensory. And it's just, that's an easy gateway in. Yeah. Right. It's an, it, and also it's very powerful. It's a very powerful way to magnetize to you that which you desire, mm-hmm. but it's a fine line because some people, if they surround themselves with all of the imagery of what they want, you know, like they have, if they are wanting to homestead and they are creating the, you know, environment in their space that they're currently living in that reflects that so that they can activate those feelings. A lot of people will be in the frequency of lack as they're observing the, that which they desire. So they see it, but what the the frequency is, Oh, I still, you know, I'm still not there. I still don't have that. Or life isn't um, satisfying because I am not in that vision, you know? And if that's where you're coming from, then you're not going to, it's not going to manifest for you. Right. you have, there has to be a trust piece where it's yeah. like, oh, I love that. Or just joy, bring joy yeah. on into the equation where you're looking at the picture of whatever it is that you want and just appreciating it. And the more you can be in that appreciation, I mean, the universe doesn't know whether <laughs> you have the thing or it's just a picture of the thing. True. And it will, yeah, respond to whatever the frequency is that you're. Yes. The feeling and the frequency. And it's true. And for you, cause you have Scorpio rising yeah, and Scorpios are the master manifestors there cause they're just so magnetic. So you mm-hmm. have to be that much more diligent. What you just described is really perfect work. It's like being, you know, the masterful creator of your um, experience by 
by getting yourself in the feeling place of already having it. And then naturally it will be magnetized to you. Yeah. That is literally how it works. And really being like, I'm calling this in and it's mm-hmm. going to come and yeah, I just have to wait. Yeah. Like I just got to wait and I just got to keep doing what I feel is, you know, keeping me joyful or happy or healthy and vibrant. Yeah. And then allow it to actually come in and then receiving it. And that's also sometimes the trickiest part is actually receiving it because sometimes I will see something show up and I'm like, I recognize it. I'm like, I, I called that in here it is. And then I'm like, <gasps> <laughs> and I like push it away or like find find a reason why it's not that exact thing or mm-hmm. you know so it's really it's a fun process manifestation and creating and visioning and doing that kind of magical work is definitely it's such a process and it's so unique to everybody you know well and it's always revealing you to yourself because mm-hmm. your environment is only a reflection of your, you know, a reflection of your thinking and feeling, a reflection of your, your own psyche. Obviously there's the collective consciousness experience that is influencing our environments as well. It's not just an individualized thing, but if, you know, if for me, for example, it went after years and years of persistently not getting certain things like my own home and desiring it for so long, it forced me to do reevaluate the way I was trying to get there. Right. And I mean, this is for, um, this is a very Piscean thing. I have Pisces on my midheaven. So my line of purpose and we don't really have, so for anyone listening, if you have Pisces on your midheaven, this would apply to you too. We don't really have a model, an example for what that is, for how to be purposeful in the expression of unconditional love and compassion, how we can support ourselves in our capitalistic world, just being an expression of unconditional love and compassion. Right. (laughs) Right. You know, like that it doesn't fit in the box that we exist in culturally. And so anyone that has that particular placement, or there are a lot of other things that could contribute to that astrologically, then I feel like you have to go through a lot of trials, trying life on the way that it's been modeled for you before you can figure, let go and realize that, oh, that's actually not what I'm here for. Although Vanessa, your generation um, has this so the outer planets, because they move so much more slowly, they're generational. So your generation has um, Neptune and Uranus. So Neptune is what connects us to our spirituality, to divinity, but also to our ideals. And Uranus is what connects us to, uh, or sorry, Uranus is what allows us to expand our consciousness and evolve. Your generation has those two planets conjunct in Capricorn. Oh, I see. This is actually great because I don't know enough about the outer planets. Mm-hmm. Well, the outer, <laughs> that's very Taurian of you. <laughs> oh, great. How great. <laughs> the inner planets are what, you know, influence our experience here on earth. The outer planets are what connect us to broader consciousness gotcha. and to our ev- evolution and to divinity and to our spirituality. And yeah. so as a, as a generation, your generation is here to create new structures, new constructs, because that's what Capricorn's all about, creating the structure, the system that mm. we're 
going to culturally live within. Neptune wants to infuse that system with divinity, with a spiritual component, and Uranus wants to influence the evolution. So Uranus is also the the disruptor. It wants and the revolutionary. So it wants to sort of destroy or revolutionize the systems, the structures that we've been living within that mm-hmm. my generation has been living with. Right. And which I find so inspiring when you when you look at anyone born in the I guess it would start maybe 19 late 80s to late 90s, I think. But it's really, I've only been looking at charts within the early to mid 90s and everyone has that in regards to this particular placement. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can look at what house it's in to see where you're revolutionizing. So for you, you have that in your third house. So it's through the realm of communication and integration. Mm, Interesting. What about Pluto and Scorpio? That's another generation, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It really beautifully supports this Neptune and Uranus and Capricorn because Pluto in Scorpio, it's the ultimate transformer, really wanting to get to the truth of things and transform the energy. And so usually with the outer planets, because they're generational, they stay in a sign for such a long period of time they it's the house placement if you're wanting to look at your own needle chart it's the house placement that it's it's more significant so for you you have your pluto in the first house so yeah. who you are is always undergoing oh, transformation always always going transformation i am like oh i i have this color hair now and you know it takes a while or like oh and now i'm dressing like a totally different person for a little while and well, and I've known you long enough to see you fully transform. You have fully transformed yourself. And what's that goes back to what I was saying about Scorpio, the transformation, eventually you get to the place where there's, you can just drop, you know, a way of being instantaneously. There isn't the resistance or the struggle or the effort. It's like, there's a, an embracing almost of the the death experience of allowing a part of yourself to die. And so you can, yeah, be reborn, even more potent, more powerful, more magnetic, all the things that Scorpio is. Yeah. I have such a deep relationship with that whole process. And I have been so aware of that whole process. It's unavoidable for me. I really started to recognize it. I would say when I was I mean, I was always aware of it, but I didn't, I couldn't quite call it throughout my life, like teens, yeah. but early twenties, I started to be like, okay, this is a thing. This is a thing <laughs> in my life. This is something that I can't avoid this ego death and rebirth transformation happens almost every year, every few years, at least. Yeah. It is. And well, I, for you, anytime the sun goes through Scorpio your ascendant is being hit. It's being hit with that radiance. So your relationship to yourself in terms of how you're showing up in the world and how people are perceiving you is getting a a burst of solar force energy every November. Yes. That's usually the hardest month. Usually that's when the SAD comes in end of summer into the darker shadow months. I go freaking crazy. (laughs) Yeah. It's so hard. This winter and this fall has been the you best. You need a red light. 
Yeah, I've done so much this year that has shifted a lot, like the cold plunging and the cold exposure, the sauna, being outside in the morning. And then I have these yellow blue blocking glasses to get the yellow mood in when it's cloudy. Yeah. Done everything. And so this year and this winter has been the best one probably ever in my life. for you. That's amazing. Yeah. It takes a lot of work to um, discover what supports each of us individually best Mm -hmm. and then commit to it. Yeah, it really does. It's a reward. It is so incredible. It's so worth it Mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. So good for you for figuring that out. That's, you know, cold plunging sounds perfect for Taurus energy also and Scorpio energy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Really good medicine for that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It it really shakes up my stagnancy for sure. Totally. I definitely can get stagnant in my own energy emotions and yeah, you know, literally day to day. And so it wakes you up. Yeah. Yeah. It jolts you out of, yeah. That's why I love travel Mm because it it transports you out of your routine or your thinking. It jolts you out of your conditioned thinking into a, uh, new potentialities. Totally. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) Then Nancy over here, Sages, North Nose, you know, for sure. Actually, you know what I wanted to ask you about is just one last thing before we probably wrap up is my midheaven and my Chiron because they're both in Leo. Midheaven. Yeah. And Chiron and Leo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Chiron in the 10th house, just like me. Oh, the 10th house is where you bring your power forward. Mm -hmm. Chiron. I mean, my, my readings, my cosmic readings. So the initial reading, I do follow up readings that are way more diverse. They're more like, uh, counseling sessions, um, intuitively guided, but the, the initial reading is primarily focused on Chiron. So, he's my dude. (laughs) And so having Chiron in your 10th house, you're here. I mean, the podcast is the title of your podcast is a perfect expression of this Chiron energy. Um, Chiron is the wounded healer, master teacher. And so wherever it's present in your chart lets you know the area of your life where your core wound resides. And really that core wound is in service of your, um, self-realization. So as you cycle through and heal the the wound and it never, it gets completely healed, quote unquote healed. It's, it's your lifelong journey that from a soul perspective, we choose, it's my belief that we choose these placements, these natal charts for ourselves to, you know, help actualize whatever it is that we wanted to actualize from a soul perspective. So with Chiron in the 10th house, it's the realm of your work, your work in the world. That's where the crises is. So what is my purpose? What am I here to do? How am I here to contribute? Uh, why can't I, you know, make the money that I desire doing the work that I'm doing that I love, you know, like all of those things get activated by Chiron in the 10th. And then because it's expressed in Leo, then it's really about your own sovereignty your own creative self-expression. What is it? There's like a deep, the, the core wound is around your relationship, not only with your inner child, but your, your own, yeah, sovereignty is the easiest word to use for that. Your own creative self-expression. 
And just being able to stand in that and really Chiron is trying to teach you, and this is what you'll become masterful in and are already on the path of becoming masterful in is the faith, the trust, the owning of your creative self-expression as your pathway to not only your own healing, but to being, being able to provide you with the rewards that you desire in that particular realm. So when Chiron's in Leo, there's also a deep desire to be adored, you know, like a deep desire to be, to be acknowledged or recognized for your radiance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very true. (laughs) (laughs) And because Leo's on your midheaven, you, you are, you came here. That's your purpose. You came here to be a radiant expression of solar force energy and to remember that life is just a game, right? Leo knows how to have fun and not take life too seriously because it's all just a movie. It's just like you're creating your own movie. And you and with Leo on your midheaven, you're here. Your purpose is to be the star of that movie. <laughs> so yeah. funny. It's like the one thing I've always wanted is to like, I want to be a pop star and I want to be... Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a pop star and I want to be the star of the show and the movie and I want to be the leading lady. That's mm-hmm. me. And it's so funny because it's also the juxtaposition to me being a healer and being of service. I just have always found, because in my astrogeography, I'm also born in between my sun line and my Chiron line. So I think, oh, I have, okay. Yeah, I have a sun descending line and then I have a Chiron, I think it's an ascending line. And so I feel like I've always had two parts of me of the performer and the creative and playful and, you know, that kind of side. And then there's the like serious, I need to heal and I need to help you how to heal. And we're going to heal all the things and I'm going to be of service. And I, you know, Chiron and Leo does not want you to take it seriously. Like there's no dogmatism in the healing. It's like the healing work that would really resonate with Chiron and Leo is inner child work, mm-hmm. um, is, you know, art therapy, is yeah. any kind of movement therapy where, where it's free flow, where you're just, you know, not too rigid, not too dogmatic or structured, yeah. but also your Chiron is in relationship with your moon it's trying your moon trying mercury square pluto trying your north node so when chiron's in relationship with your moon like that it makes you highly receptive to the feelings of others because chiron is a bridge to our higher consciousness and it wants to teach us experientially through our our day-to-day lives right so the more that you can be engaged with people from an emotional place and allowing your feelings to be expressed and move through you, mm-hmm. the more um, opportunity you create for yourself for your healing. And for you to come into that power, the power placement of having Chiron in the 10th, mm-hmm. right? The master healer, master teacher through the realm of play, through the yep. realm of your own joy and radiance. When I'm in alignment, that's exactly what it is. And I feel mm-hmm. it and I can really feel the difference if I'm having fun and playing, but I'm also being a service and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm really bridging those two things. Well, let's talk about that just for a second. So being of service, when you have Chiron in Leo and Leo on your, uh, on your midheaven, consider <laughs> like the sun isn't like, oh, I'm helping all of these people. I'm helping all of these plants grow. 
I'm making sure that, you know, like the sun isn't trying to be of service. The sun is just being the sun. It's just radiating. And that in and of itself is giving so much to all of us, to our entire planet. So when you have Leo on the midheaven, it's not about that. It's about you. And that's, I mean, clearly there's some conditioning there that it would be selfish if you just were like wanting to be the center of attention or it would be, you know, not, yeah, just not being considerate of others. But there is something so joyful, so nourishing watching somebody be in their light, right? So I think really it's more about being connected, right? So you're not bombarding people with your show, yeah, with whatever you're, you're that because perf- Leo can't help but be performative. So you're not bombarding people with your performance. You're still, st- and you can't help but stay connected because you have your Chiron in relationship to your moon. So you're feeling your, the response people are having of yeah. you, yeah. you know, for sure. Yeah. So, but just like, yeah, let yourself just shine your light, you know, like just be you, you don't have to be do it. Cause that inevitably is going to influence people in a way that causes them to feel good and causes them to, to feel somehow connected to their own light and their own radiance, right? Like it has its own form of inspiration. And yet also keep in mind, we're always cycling. It's not like you're going to arrive at this place one day and then forevermore, you're going to be this confidently expressed Leo light beam. You have to go through the cycles. That's an indication of growth. Yeah. Every time you go back into that shadow, mm-hmm. you come out with a little bit more potency. It's true. It's mm-hmm. true. And I think it's just a nice message too, to have people know that it's okay to go through it and really totally embrace those underworld parts and those shadow aspects too. And yeah, diving into all parts so that everything can balance out and then you can shine brighter every time you come above ground above the water. Yeah. I think a lot of us are under the influence (laughs) of social media (laughs) and the impact that that can have in terms of us feeling like, or creating the belief that there's somewhere there's this destination that we're trying to get to. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to get to feeling the way that this person is feeling, or my life looks the way that person's life looks or, um, And I really don't think there is a destination. Maybe there's lots of little destinations, but I think that the more honest that we can all be with and show up in all of the different expressions Mm -hmm. of our healing that never stops. (laughs) I love actually Marianne Williamson one time, this like was so soothing to me. Um, She said, and I'm not quoting her. This is definitely not verbatim, but she said, um, yeah, you think, you know, you're on this healing path and you're doing all this work and it's going to get easier because you're doing all this work and you're, and you're, and she said that that's not how it works. It actually just gets harder because you're signed, you've signed up, you're engaged with the process. And so the, it's just going to keep on coming. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm not failing at this, this life thing, you know, like I'm not, uh, because I haven't arrived. So. Yeah. Maybe I'm just speaking to myself right now, but I, I hope this lands for somebody. <laughs> oh, it does. It, I'm sure it will. It does for me too. And it's definitely something that a lot of people don't, I think, realize when they first sign up for healing. 
Well, it's coming from a place that they think they're broken. Yeah. A lot of people think there's something wrong with them. There's something wrong with me because I feel like shit or there's something wrong with me because like, I have no energy. Hmm. No, you're just tired. Mm -hmm. You're just tired. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with you. And you feel like shit. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot, you know, it's heavy. There's a lot that can cause us to feel crappy or, and then you, what you just shared is such a perfect example of how you can help support yourself when you start to recognize the cycle, like if you start to recognize that every time you get to November, your energy level drops, the lights receding and you start to feel like shit, then yeah. What, what will be a great tool to help navigate this time mm-hmm. or tools? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Well, mm-hmm. thank you. This has been such a really full conversation. <laughs> I, I'm so, so good to connect. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you and to have everybody listen to all of your incredible wisdom. I feel like we could literally talk for hours. Totally. (laughs) You know, on so many different topics, which would be amazing. And I'm just so grateful for you to share your heart and all of the amazing tools that you have to help Mm -hmm. people. You know, I think people are going to love listening to this and get a lot out of it. So connect with Nina. I will share all of her handles. Actually, you can share What is your, your Instagram? Nina Taylor website, Nina Taylor.org. Well, I am so grateful for you mm-hmm. and I can't I wait. I love you. I love you too. Aww. Have a really amazing rest of your day. Thank you. Mwah. Thanks again, everyone for listening. We would love it if you share on social media with your friends, with anyone who you think would appreciate the content and our guests. Thank you so much. Once again, this is Vanessa Faria and you've heard it on the All That Heals podcast.